Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash goo for your free audiobook download. It's... So guys, I was approached by uh, NPR. Oh, damn it. Were you? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I it's was, Monday, uh, Game of Owns. Eric is too busy trying to tell us something to introduce the show. Tell us more. They liked the concept of WGOO, and uh, they thought uh, that it would make uh, a possible, you know, good... W-goo? Right in between their two politically charged uh, <laughs> segments. Was it the left wing and the right... Uh, yeah, there's two wings on each direction. There's two wings, uh, except you're not supposed to go into the west wing. No, that stay is, on the uh, west wing. It's forbidden. But uh, I wanted to just give a shout out to everybody who listened to the little clip we posted on, a, you know, in lieu of a Friday episode. But have no fear. We are here now to properly cover the chapter Bran V from A Clash of Kings in your Monday episode. Hey, very exciting. I'm glad we could get almost the whole crew together to, uh, to discuss this because it's a, it's a good chapter. Micah is in Manchester. Uh, enjoying some much needed vacation, or actually, he's working it. But uh, what are you gonna do? Mike is working it in Manchester. He's working it in Manchester. I can only assume that it's a vacation because, to me, being anywhere in England is a vacation. Actually, no yeah, what. you know the people that live there; they don't do yeah, anything. They, they just stay on holiday all the time. Vacation, I could be yeah, smelting iron, and if it's like in a cave in Manchester, I'd feel like it was a vacation. Okay, if you were smelting iron in a cave in Manchester, I assume it would be some kind of traveling show or something. Also, it would be like seven hundred years ago if that was happening. Maybe even further. Along ago. Okay, before we get off topic too much, we have a, a spot in the show, a thing that we must discuss because it happened on Friday and we didn't have an episode and they, they skipped a week of it a few weeks back. So we're excited to get back in the mix of it. But right now we're going to tell you all who we think should win out of these people that were already picked by someone else. Ready? What, the Wicknet Awards. <laughs> Wicknet Awards. Yeah, yeah. Are we not talking about the Emmys? We, we, we kind of mentioned them and then we decided it would be best Let's just, just never talk, talk about, about the Wicknet Awards. They're much more important. Yeah, we'll just, we'll do them a favor if we're, if we're mentioning the Emmys. It's just, yeah. it's not, yeah. You scratch, no. you know, their back and they just don't scratch yours. So See, that's perfect. The Wicknet Awards, Game of Thrones wins every time. If you guys are regular listeners, you know that we've been talking about this for the past handful of weeks or so. There's polls up on the site. This is a big thing that's happening because over time we're eventually going to reach the end and reveal what all of you think about these certain things. So this week the voting will be centered around the Wicknet Awards Season 3 Best Supporting Actor. <gasps> and the choices are... Interesting choices, actually. Stephen Delane or Dylan. Dennis. John Bradley as Samuel Tarly. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's oh boy. not here. Carl Hill as Varys. Liam Cunningham Ooh. as Davos Seaworth. And Michael Hatton as Bruce Bolton. Where mm. is Ramsay Bolton on this list? That's a good, that's a good question. Yeah. Ramsay you know, I, mean, I, I, I couldn't ever forgive myself for, for nomi- for giving him an award. Um, so, I mean, sure, it was great, hot, good acting. He really portrayed that psychopath very well. He was so good. Um, you can't, as horrible as he was, you can't deny that he was fantastic. He stole the season for me. I, I just, I know it's hard to, to pick actors, you know, for these awards and they do their best over at, uh, Winter's Coming, but he gets my, I think my so much vote. of it is, is, is so personal and, and, you, 
That makes sense, but you have to get behind kind of like part of getting behind a character is getting behind what they're up to. Uh, so me, for me, it's Davos, you know, it wouldn't be Roose Bolton. Sure. Cool guy, but he's betraying the Starks and there has been like, he's their Bannerman or whatever. So yeah. that's not cool. Varys is as always is a strong contender. I feel. And Samuel Tarly's just, you know, he's there, but I would give it to Davos. Hey now. Um, you know, we he's know not this. here to defend himself. <laughs> he's just there, That's you know. What he can do. But regardless of what you think, uh, who you think should win this Best Supporting Actor, the Wicknet Awards are ongoing. I gotta go. I gotta go with Davos as well because just because of the scenes that he had with Shireen, uh, learning yeah. how to read those kind of things, so they were really good. I'm gonna go with Davos with tricking us into thinking he was actually that thirsty at the beginning of the season. <laughs> oh, because yeah, there's no yeah, way yeah. he was that thirsty because he's you know in the modern world just as an actor. I mean, if anything, he's more hydrated than the rest of and us. And he saved Gendry. I mean, let's not forget. <laughs> you know who's you know That's who's true. about to be more hydrated than the rest of us, Zach? Uh-oh. Is everyone in Winterfell Green. is going to get a heaping helping of water? Apparently, Dermis. water is coming. <laughs> 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 Eric's radio thing. He texted it to, he's like, dude, check this out. He was like, I think it could be an episode. And I was like, well, it, it might be. I was like, let's listen to it. And I listened to it and I was just like, these are the ravings of a madman alone on a Friday night. <laughs> it worked though. So you've already visited the subject in show form, essentially, Eric. So Selena and I are kind of in the dark on this one. How do we even go into talking about this chapter? Well, essentially, it's got two parts, okay? The first part is uh, Brands with Jojen, and Jojen's like, hey, Brandon. I had this, I had this <laughs> yeah, dream. Brandon. It's sailing. I had this dream, and it was a green dream, and you can't change green dreams, and there was sea everywhere, and the sea is coming to Winterfell. Then the second half of the chapter is Bran going around telling everybody, hey, guys, the sea is coming to Winterfell, and nobody believes him. I mean, it's pretty much true. I mean, That's Bran's visions were a little more specific this mm-hmm. time and you mentioned him in your in your radio bit but basically he's seeing specific people from winterfell suffer specific deaths from this oncoming sea yes. yeah it's basically like having your own desk or your, own your desk. desk it's your own awesome. desk having your own desk in your brain <laughs> it's 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 like having your own death prognosticated to you um you know it, it's there's there's always something eerie about it you know and and it's just kind of like you want to, you know, at the end of this chapter in particular, it was just like, you're going to die, Charlie, you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, yeah. it's so true. I hadn't even thought of that. That's perfect. It was very Lostian or Lostish. Of course, this was probably written like 15 years before Lost, but mm. you, you, you get it. It's just the idea that you can't change fate. But if, if you could somehow glimpse your fate prior to it, you would then be burdened with this knowledge uh, so, you know, they've dealt with, or they're dealing with, Jojen and Bran are dealing with this situation where they've seen several prominent members. Well, I wouldn't say prominent. Well, Alebelly is pretty prominent. Upstage Hodor, by the way, in this chapter, because Bran <laughs> needed to go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Bran needed to go somewhere and Hodor wasn't around. And he was like, I'm not waiting for Hodor. Airbelly. Where, Airbelly, where was just- Hodor in this episode? Can we just take a minute here? What was he so busy doing that he didn't have time to carry Bran around? Listeners, let us know on Twitter. What was yeah. Hodor doing? What was Hodor up to? Yeah. Um, but you know, Alebelly is seen drowned. And uh, the Septa and a bunch of other, and you know, a couple other, you know, members of Winterfell are mm. going to apparently be drowned by the sea, and this makes no sense to Micken anybody as because well. Winterfell, uh, Ricken as well. No, Micken. Oh, Micken, right? Easy to confuse. They sound a lot alike. Ricken yeah. and Micken, kind of like Brandon yeah. Braun. <laughs> Rick and Mick. Asha and Osha. <laughs> yeah, essentially. I mean, Winterfell is landlocked. Like they're nowhere near the sea. So what could this mean? And 
I just speculated a couple things. Well, first of all, it just makes sense because we know that Theon is coming to sack Winterfell and mm. they, they worship the drowned god and the Greyjoys are, you know, they're, they're, they're men of iron and men of the sea. So yeah. I, I just assumed it was a big giant but, metaphor. I mean, it is interesting. The things that, and we can talk about this because this has happened in the show, obviously already that the things that Jojen sees, it's an interesting mix. And I almost have to wonder if he's telling the complete truth about what he sees, because in this case, he's telling him the water is coming, the sea is coming. It's very metaphorical because that obviously is the great joys. But then he goes on to say, I'm seeing um, this man they call Reek, uh, which is, again, very, very interesting bit of foreshadowing there. I think we should talk about. Um, but he's he's talking about him standing over the two boys, and that's a very concrete image, but we know it's wrong. But mm. I wonder if, if Jojen also knew at this point that it was wrong. Yeah, so, I mean, it's bad enough that the green dreams that he's having are hard to interpret, but he's kind of manipulating Bran a mm. little bit. Maybe. Um, it's interesting to think about anyway. Well, the fact that Reek is standing over um, the boys in the, in this vision, like, what does that mean? And who is this Reek guy who just shows up? Uh, because the they, they, the the bastard of yeah, Bolton who is the Reek guy. Dermis. The bastard of Bolton was. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> they say he's dead, but then mm-hmm. there's this Reek fellow who, in my opinion, is just. I, I think that the bastard of Bolton is disguising himself as this Reek fellow, and that I think that would know be the, a very fair assumption. <laughs> I, I just, but but that he had a cool death. I guess while it lasted, right? The, the, the bastard of Bolton. He basically, we have to talk about Lady Hornwood, okay? Because it is actually not cool what he did to her. Um, he married oh, her. You, you don't think he so? Got her, no. What do you think, Zach? Do you think it was he cool? He got her to sign, mm. he got her to sign all these, uh, you know, her, her land over to him and name him. They're called prenuptial agreements. Well, no, that's what they didn't sign. Otherwise, her family would be fine. He basically starves her to death. They find her dead, starved, and she yeah. ate some of her own fingers to and try and survive. And it's so sad because, you know, we saw her a few chapters ago sort of being match-made match with a recover. Well, I was I was reading this and I was like, she was just so happy. She was just happy. And then this bastard got a hold of her. I know. He's such a bastard. She she was such a, a nice little like oh Lady Hornwood in the mm-hmm. earlier chapters and they're feasting and stuff. She's delightful. And then now we have <laughs> this. Just, she was such a dame. She was delightful. Uh, and now we've got this negative news centered around this mysterious character that goes yeah. in and out of who he is essentially. And there's just death and destruction. Eating fingers. Don't you guys fingers. find that so funny? By the way, how Bran has this really sort of one of the only moments that. George R. Martin allows him to be a child is that he didn't know exactly what he was doing, but it involved being naked. And then it turns yep. around to this Lady Hornwood and he was like, Oh yeah, she chewed off half her fingers and blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, this may go without saying, but what he did, uh, what the bastard of Bolton did to Lady Hornwood was nothing short of torture and, um, you know, every, the, the worst thing a human being can do to another. And the fact that he was then apprehended, supposedly shot, should come as a relief. But to anybody who's seen as far along in the show as, as we have and knows, will know there, there's clearly more going on here. And unfortunately, it's not the happy ending we expect it to be. That's the sound of a thousand golden dragons falling from the sky as we move into Game of Owns, the advertising section. Hello, Eric. How are you? Hello. Hello, Zach. Yes, I'm, I'm 
dodging all of these falling dragons. It's it's a hard life dodging golden coins falling from the sky. But as we do on this podcast, we're uh, we're doing it big this week. Working with uh, good friends of ours, Audible. Audible. For those of you who don't know, Audible is the web's leading provider of audiobooks, and Audible I have used in the past to bring me, and in fact, I'm using him right now to listen through our read-through of Clash of Kings. And this is how I'm reading along in the book while we're doing these chapters based on, for instance, in this chapter, the brand chapter, the fifth brand point of view for this book. And, you know, something that's really super convenient about using this is that I listen while I'm at work or in the car. And I feel like I'm, you know, I'm reading, but at the same time, I'm perfectly able to you know, multitask to drive to get where I'm going. And it takes no extra time. It's time I would have spent anyway, except I get to read a Game of Thrones book because it's an audiobook. I've been thinking about listening while I do yoga in the mornings. Okay. And j- instead of watching the lady on TV who's telling me what to do, I was thinking about just listening to this instead. And it's convenient because literally, like Eric said, it's a lot like what you guys are doing now listening to this podcast. It is. And, you know, I bet there are yoga audiobooks out there on Audible. Here, here, here's the situation. You guys, basically, listeners of this podcast, get a free downloadable token for one free audiobook. And that is when they sign up at audiblepodcast.com slash goo through us. And, you know, although we recommend that you download one of the Game of Thrones, uh, you know, books, particularly Clash of Kings, which we're working at right now, you also have the opportunity to browse their massive selection of other books, uh, fiction, nonfiction, periodicals, number of other things. And you, you can just browse it and make your decision based on that head on over to audiblepodcast.com slash goo for your free audiobook download did that sound professional and golden dragons falling out of the sky addy enough for you eric you know weirdly enough i had a green dream uh of exactly that what we just did it's a great opportunity to support the show that you've been listening to for now over 150 episodes so we thank you ahead of time and say we can't thank you enough thank you thank you thank you lots of thank yous in this one eric audible we choose you this would be interesting to read from the perspective of maybe Clash being the newest book out. And we're just yeah. wondering who the fuck this murderous sick face is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just but then it's like, oh, don't worry, the he's gone. Yeah, don't worry, they shot him down, you know. But that's one of the best things about these books is that George R. R. Martin isn't, isn't scared of, uh, or George, you know, our friend, isn't scared of, of misdirecting the readers. Like he has such control of his story that he doesn't care because if this had been any other book, they would never say oh, yeah, yeah, the bastard is dead without any shadow of a doubt when we later found out he's not because then the readers would be confused. But here it's like you know that the readers are smart enough that they can handle um, the misdirection. Yeah, I agree. And the, the interesting thing is that he's he seems to have chosen a mascot for himself, this Reek fellow, right? He He's he's either that or he's super planning ahead, you know, for, for what he's because he's he's going to turn Theon into this Reek character that uh, presumably he is n- now portraying. I don't think he's he could possibly think that far ahead un- unless he has green dreams as well. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's uh, possible. What makes a green knows? dream? Well, here the th- is there any connection between the <laughs> green dreams and the Red God? Are they who who brings the dream? <laughs> who, who br- <laughs> just say it like you want to say it. <laughs> who brings the green dreams? Is, <laughs> is there a green god who is opposed to the Red God? Is there a Lord of Tree, Lord of Earth, Money? That brim money. I think it's like uh, it's like both Pokemon. Money. You know, red or green, you have to choose. You have to go and 
fight your path. And mm -hmm. as soon as you're out of the starting area, you can catch a Pidgey and just be like everyone else. But now there's like X and Y and fuchsia and silver and gold and yellow and green. And it's not just red. Is it confusing you, Eric? It was red and blue. Do you wish there, there so were many less colors in this on. book? But why would why would they why would he call them green dreams? I I asked this question in the in the radio segment as well. Why are they green? Do they come from the green god? Do they come from the earth? I think so. I think they are. They're they're uh, related to the forest, the children of the forest. It should make you really happy. You know the the frog, yeah. the the Kranig people or Kranig men are really um, spiritual and and connected to the earth. You know. That's how I see it. I see it yeah. as the flow of matter and somehow Bran being able to tap into that third eye that the yeah. raven so pleasantly has well, on his head. It certainly has to do with the trees um, because I guess Bran in this chapter says the trees have, you know, were calling to him. Mm -hmm. um, and the warging power, which is, I guess, given a name in this chapter as well, seems to be linked um, to it. Walk. So, I love how he just says it. That's yeah, like walk. one word. That's all you need. You're a walk, Harry. <laughs> Well, there's green dreams, and I guess just the thing that I wanted to point out with that is if it does have to do with a mystical power, um, perhaps the green god or something like that. I only say that because there's a red god. Um, you know, then the, then we have a kind of the instance of two separate entities bringing magic to these people. Mm. Two separate entities who are equally real, it seems, because people who worship them are you know being rewarded by real life consequences like Renly's death. Although you can argue, is that was we're not going to get into that now, but was that the god or was that just Melisandre's magic? Yeah, what else could it be? Her magic. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I'm I'm seeing as magic as being I'm seeing as magic as being directly the work of a god. You know, like, okay, I'm going to come out here and say this right now. I do not think that in the Game of Thrones saga there is an actual red god. I'm just gonna. I know it's a very bold statement, and I encourage you know listeners to uh, share their theories um, about why their mate might in fact be. But I don't think. I think it's all. The humans, it's all them, they're doing. So um, what, how can you account then for Bran's warging ability? Because it's that's a, something It's a magical that, world, it is. Um, they have these abilities that, uh, but I don't think that there's actual an entity, so, sort of like a, in, in the, the way that we would think about it, there's no such thing. Like Melisandre mm -hmm. thinks that she's serving something, but she's not. Or does she? Well, do you think that yeah, uh, because it can certainly be trained, I guess, Bran is, is, is sort of like a, a rod or a vessel. I do tend to lean on uh, the fact that they're being a deity because it seems like to be more ordered if there is, um, you know, just a creature behind it or something like that. Um, but do you believe in destiny then, Selena? In this saga? Um, that's, a, oh, that's a question that I need more than three minutes to answer. Um, <laughs> I think, I, yeah, I mean, yes, I think that there is something supernatural at work. I think that there is definitely magic and there is there are supernatural elements and there are obviously... Um, Things going on beyond the wall and also in different parts of the world, but I don't think it's a a red god. I think it's it's different. I think it's something something else, something more destiny in the sense that it comes from the earth as opposed to mm. comes from above, if you will. I see. Well, look, something is causing these dreams, and you can blame it on the chemical reactions inside their brains. Well, Selena, since you have to head out early today, maybe if you gave your own first, we could follow sweet or suit. All right, I will sweet. do that. I my own is a um, a section of the text which I loved and which is so out of out of tone, but in a in a perfect way. 
Alebelly was the only one who paid the warning any heed. He went to talk to Jojen himself and afterwards stopped bathing and refused to go near the well. Finally, he stank so bad that six of the other guards threw him into a tub of scalding, scalding water and scrubbed him raw while he screamed that they were going to drown him like the frog boy had said. Thereafter, he scowled whenever he saw Bran or Jojen about the castle and muttered under his breath. Oh, so this Alebelly is an interesting character. I also it's, have it's to give... It's just like um, bathing a child. Yes. But it's also perfect. I mean, again, with foreshadowing here, the foreshadowing in this chapter is just absolutely off the charts. And I think it's uh, it's very, very, very interesting to read you, about you, this. You call that foreshadowing? The introduction of Reed. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Of course I call it uh, foreshadowing. I mean, it's foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, with, with Alebelly, though? Yes, uh, I great, think with the, the mechanic here is we're, we're doing it in sort of a humor, mm. conversational, non-specific way. Where you're yeah. not really dwelling on it. Like, Bran didn't say that, but Alebelly did. And it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's the same role that lots of guys play. Even some of the dudes like uh, Dollar Set up in the north. You know, they all have Absolutely. their place. Well, my own also goes to Alebelly um, for upstaging Hodor. As we mentioned before, Bran needs a ride. Hodor's nowhere in sight. Alebelly, boom, gets him. Just picks him up, takes him to where he needs to go. Having secondary transportation services because you know hodor was already a steal i'm gonna have to go with you on that one that was a good uh that was a good own honestly We's, yeah alebelly owned this chapter yeah i did really Alebelly did a really good job i i think though uh if i could if i could take a swift turn away from alebelly for one second even though your own was very great my own's gonna have to go to the walders for not having the sense because i felt like as a child if i ever had some strange negative thought in my head that shouldn't have been said out loud. I wouldn't have just done it anyway because you're a kid and there's no real consequences. You kind of have to choose your battles, you know, and just yeah. kind of not say certain stuff around certain individuals. Well, in, the, in this case, in this chapter, when Maester Lewin is telling Bran and the other children about Rob's victories and what this means, Sir Severin Frey, the uncle of these Walders, took a wound in fighting at the Ox Cross. And he died three days later. And of course, during this conversation, the Walders have based their entire words solely on whether or not or who or not and when or not would be getting the uh, fulfillment of who takes some kind of throne. Like all about the inheritance for these guys, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't don't have very much class to mask that around the old guy, which yeah. they probably should have a little respect for the maester. You know, it's kind of one of those funny things where they've got a much larger family than than should be allowed um but they know exactly where each of them fall in the line of succession and so little walder and the other walder are <laughs> able to have this conversation about who's next and you you're right it is kind of i don't know it's disrespectful but they're not doing their their due they they've they've they don't appreciate life because they they just have the death of their uncle means nothing because they have several other uncles, right? You know, who all have kids of their own, and 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 so it's just kind of like they're desensitized to it. But they know exactly where they fall uh, in the line of succession, where each of their uncles fall, where each of the older brothers and versus younger brothers and all that stuff. So I I I, I agree. I mean, there's definitely an own to be given there. So essentially, I mean, this chapter was a lot like we spoke about. It has a lot of, of, of mystery and its strange foreshadowing in addition to just a lot of dialogue centered around these these I mean, it seems simple to us because we've been reading the book, but if you really think about it, it's centered around dreams telling the future of where they live being attacked and destroyed and people they know dying. There's some heavy implications within the mind of a child in this point of view. Well, we do hear from uh just before we 
cut it off here. We uh, do hear from Roderick Cassell, who returns to Winterfell uh, to much celebration, carrying a prisoner in tone. We mentioned Reek um, before. Essentially, Reek is, uh, I guess, a prisoner. He was helping Ramsay Bolton uh to you know cause the to do the evil deeds to to lady hornwood and and all of that so um he is in custody this reek character who smells even worse than alebelly when he did not um <laughs> wash uh which is a real shame because you know you think you've got the smell all stamped out and then you just you don't there's somebody worse comes uh, knocking at your door um but I guess this this is where what we're witnessing is something that was not addressed in the show. Um, you know, the Reek character, if, if he is the bastard of Bolton, was only in the background, presumably blowing that horn in that one memorable scene uh, in season two where Theon's like, I'm going to find that person blowing that horn and kill them uh, if it's the last thing that I do. But this doesn't happen in the series. And so we're about to be treated to kind of figure out because it seems like Reek is going to be a, his whereabouts are going to be known either by Bran or by somebody mentioning it in a Bran chapter. So kind of going to get to see the, the other side of it, which is kind of really interesting. Right. Well, we, uh, we do want to include some of the comments we've been receiving through our Twitter account. For those of you who, who have uh, honed in on that name, it is uh, at Game of Owns on Twitter, and here is what people are saying on our very own uh, spot on the Twitterverse. Caitlin McClure says, On the road to Indy to see my husband. Game of Owns keeping me company on the eight-hour drive. So it's a lot of episodes, Caitlin. Yeah, look at that. It's funny that you're closer to us than you are to your husband. Can I say that on the show? <laughs> no. And next tweet from Ida Askoff. Having the worst day ever. Stress. Five hours of unsolvable math problems and running for the train. At least I have Game of Owns in my ear. There's actually a delightfully deep handful of tweets that we shall read to you all. I suppose we could pepper it out throughout the week as more roll in, correctly? I agree, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, in the meantime, we, we shall leave you with one of our dedicated listeners who is always so prim and proper at sending her owns ahead of time. Isn't that right, Eric? That is right. Pamela has written in and said that the Bran chapter that we just discussed, Alebelly, got owned by Jojin's drowning dream. First stinky... <laughs> Then soaked, then scowling. <laughs> Made me laugh. Series of unfortunate events. <laughs> yeah, Alebelly's not having a good day. If this is something you would like to choose to do, please continue listening as Eric lays all of them out on a picnic blanket in front of us as we consume lunch together. Mm, speaking mm. of lunch, this is like a tray on your mm. lunch tray. I'll put it, you come down the line and I'll put it on your lunch tray. We mentioned on Twitter, it's twitter.com slash game of owns or at Game of Owns to send us any of your own slash comments. Of course, that's if you can fit them into 140 characters or less. If you have something longer that you want to say, you can say it to us via email. Our email address is contact at gameofowns.com. And this is like the sandwich part of it. The this email. is the little, yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. And then here's the toppings for your cheese and meat sandwich. <laughs> Here's the condiments. It's the Facebook things that we do on Facebook. You can scroll on our wall at any point, facebook.com slash game of owns. And you can find some of the other little funny memes, pictures, things, statuses that we come up with that we post to you on a semi irregular basis. Micah is not here on this fateful Monday. So in his stead, we shall say to you, 
only this. iTunes is a place where our show can be downloaded. It's a place where our show can be reviewed and rated. And it's a casual and very convenient delivery method for probably a good 70 to 80 percent of you i know a lot of you choose to kind of maybe go the manual approach or just to play embedded through the website and that's fine but a lot of you stick close to the feed and those who do for example last friday when we embedded that little snippet eric made they got it immediately didn't have to wait for me to program some web page for it or to write copy so (laughs) they got it immediately so follow suit and be like them and uh sometimes everyone gives us five stars sometimes yes if you don't the flying wolf will come after you he'll kill you because he's the flying wolf don't google those pictures they're terrifying flying flying wolf i cannot believe you found that picture it was utterly perfect it was perfect perfectly enough to end the show i'm zach louis keep listening folks i'm eric skull we will see you next time for Tyrion. Tyrion. that'd make me the quarter man Maybe not. It was like you'll be feared and so. you'll be, you know. The thing with me though, I just thing. I'd warg into like flamingos and shit. <laughs> you know? I would lo- I would definitely warg into a flamingo just How to say I tried it. Just to say I tried it. Yeah, I mean flamingos, they like they have such long legs and they get to wade in water and they don't get wet at all. Like it's it's pretty cool. And even if they did, their their feather would bead the water right fly. off the body like ducks. Yeah, do they fly long distances? You know, yeah, you know, do, know. do peacocks fly? Wow. This may sound um, like it's I a think detraction. peacocks can fly. Because I've seen, a, I was at a Holdenby house in north of London, I think it's north of London, and uh, I remember seeing a peacock jump from the ground to a tall branch of a tree, like, you know, it just soared up there, and uh, I, I always wondered, you know, if they could actually fly.